It's good to see you here. I realize many of you are are new uh, this morning. It's a good day to come, get a taste of what we're about, and see how that fits into all of our lives. Just want to kind of give you a heads up. It's going to be a little different today. Um, We're still not jumping in completely to our our preaching routine. Uh, Once again, as as the last two or three weeks, it's going to be more of a lecture today. Sorry. Uh, I know you guys are getting back in the routine of school. Maybe you're tired of lectures. What's one more? One more would be good. So more of a lecture format today, but I hope it encourages you and builds you up. So think we have a lot to think through today, a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I hope it's encouraging. I want to start by saying this. You are a sojourner. Most of you, you're here in the Evanston, Chicago area from somewhere else. You're not going to be here for a, a really long time. You're, perhaps you're just passing through as a student or you're passing through because you've got a job here for a, a season. Or maybe some of you are just here to figure out your life before you move on to the place you want to be more permanently. And even those who are here who are long-term residents may have your mind and emotions somewhere else. You're ready to change, move on to your next phase of life. But whoever you are, if you're a believer in Jesus and you follow Christ, the Bible actually calls you a sojourner. That you are just passing through this world and your home is elsewhere in heaven. The Bible says it in many different ways. But one of the ways it says is in the book of Philippians. It talks about, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as believers, we have citizenship in heaven, and we are just passing through, waiting to see Christ. There are other terms that are used by the the Apostle Peter who calls us strangers, pilgrims, sojourners. And they even use the word exiles. The whole concept is this world is not our home. We are just passing through until we're with the Lord in heaven. And at Evans of Fellowship, we, we embrace this concept of being a sojourner. In fact, we like to call it being invested sojourners. And we think it's such a big deal. We, we created a symbol, and it's part of our ethos. And the idea is we come from the four corners of the world to the Evanston, Chicago area for a while, mix it up a bit, invest in one another until we to go where we're going to end up more permanently. And we realize that... This place right now is not your final destination. You are here as a means to the end of the next phase in life. And I'm just wondering if you could skip this phase of your life to get to the next one, would you? Yeah, some of you, yeah, I'm all in for that, right? It's like, let's just get this over and we can move on to what's next. And that's why we have to keep saying, look, look. Be an invested sojourner, because I hate to break it to you, because I see you right now. God has you here for now, and he has put you here for a season. And I know some of you wish that season were to hurry up and get over with, but he has you here right now in this place at this time for a reason, is because he wants you to be an invested sojourner. And I'm not telling you you can't make plans for the future, but you are here now. And as you are here now, you have to be all here now and not checked out and not mentally somewhere else to your next move or your next phase of life. As you're here, be all here. So about once a year, we like to check in and almost revisit the same passage and say, look, you're here, be here, 
invest here. And that passage is from the book of Jeremiah. It comes from Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, if you want to go ahead and turn there. We try to keep coming back to this passage to remind us of being invested sojourners. And over last year, we spent our time in Romans, and in the future, we're going to the book of 1 Samuel. But over the last few weeks, we've been lecturing over the concept of head, heart, hands. We get our minds transformed by God. It connects with our affections and, and spreads out. We live our lives with our hands. Well, the term invested sojourner brings it all together brings just it all together. And so I'm going to kind of read this passage to you and explain it, and we'll go from there. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Around the 6th century B.C., God called the Israelites of Jeremiah's time to be invested sojourners. They were exiled away from their homeland, away from the place God has called them. He took them in discipline to the place of Babylon to be among their captors. And they were going to be there for about 70 years. And what I just read to you was a portion of a letter that was written by the prophet Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon, and he tells them basically three things. He wants them to settle, he wants them to grow, and he wants them to invest. And I think we could take those three concepts for you, and if you're having uh, issues with the lecture format here, I'll give you some hand motions. It goes like this. He wants them to settle, he wants them to grow, and he wants them to invest. He wants them to be all in where they're at and be invested sojourners. You have this concept of settling. He's like, settle down. Do not believe those lying prophets that are saying that you're going to be back home tomorrow because you're not. You're going to be here for 70 years. Don't prepare for a short-term stay, but for the long haul. He says, go ahead and build houses, live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Set up your life as a sojourner. And the New Testament uses a variety of languages, say the pretty much the same thing, that we are residents here with our home in heaven. So wherever you're at right now, be all there for the glory of God. Settle down, my anxious brothers and sisters. Settle down, oh restless ones. Anybody with restless? I get restless. I'm, I'm checking out, right? Settle down. Calm down. This is where God has you right now. And while you're here in this phase in your life, you are to grow. That's the truth that Jeremiah was speaking to those in Babylon. He said, you guys, it's time for you to grow. Don't put everything on hold. Now's the time to multiply. Do not decrease. Now's the time to have kids. Now's the time to set up shop there and to grow. And they weren't not only to grow in physical numbers, but they were also to grow spiritually. Because God brought them to that place 
to discipline them for their sin. It's time to grow, to acknowledge God again, to submit to him again. It was time for them in their exile to grow spiritually. And my brothers and sisters, I want to tell you right now, there are no spiritually neutral phases in your life. There are no spiritually neutral phases in your life. I was talking to a student this past week who grew up in a particular religion, and he said that before he came to college, he made a point to put his religion on hold for college and just live college without his religion. Now, for those of you who believe in Jesus and follow him legitimately, that, that's not an option. But perhaps you've done that inadvertently. You said, I got a lot of stuff to do. I got a lot of things to figure out. Once I figure these things out, then I'll start growing spiritually. No, no, no. There are no spiritually neutral phases of life. Now is the time to grow, no matter what's going on. So not only were they to settle down, not only were they to to grow, but they were also to make an, an investment. And specifically, they were to seek the peace and the prosperity and welfare of Babylon and to pray for Babylon's welfare. And as they invested in Babylon, so they would be blessed as well. So God was making connection between what they did for Babylon and the residents there and their future blessing. And, and many scholars think that the way the Israelites acted in captivity opened up a door for them to eventually to return to their homeland one day. And so while you're here, you're just not called to settle down. You're not just called to grow, but you're also called to invest in the lives of other people. And there are many ways that you can invest in people. We'll talk about it in a moment. But one of the ways that you can invest in people is by telling them how much God loves them in Jesus By telling whoever you meet and say, look, God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth as a real historical figure. He lived this perfect life that I couldn't live, you couldn't live. But he was brutally killed on the cross, not just by man, but God's wrath was on him for our sin. And then he died and he was buried. But it wasn't the end of the story. Three days later, he came back to life. And the good news is that this risen Jesus, whoever puts their faith in him, can be forgiven and reconciled to God and live with God forever. And the ways that we can invest in other people is to open our mouths and tell them about the love of God in Jesus. Now, I know that in our culture, we assume that people don't want to hear anymore. Perhaps that's the case. But I have found that people will actually... Listen to you and interact with you. In fact, this past Friday, uh, my friend and I, we, we got to go out and talk to people about Jesus. And rather than going on the streets, um, we decided, hey, let's go to campus. We'd never been to campus before to talk to people about Jesus. So we went on, you know, your territory where you guys, a lot of you are from. And so we went on campus. And I, I didn't know because sometimes people on the streets, they'll talk to you in different ways. And, and I thought, are the students going to be open and talking about spiritual matters. And I found that the answer to that question is, wow, yes. I was shocked. Long interactions and dialogues about Jesus. And so if you're, if, obviously, if you're a student, open your mouths. Invest in others. Tell them about this good news. Do not be annoying, but tell them about the good news of Jesus. So we are here in exile as sojourners to settle to grow, and to invest. Now, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. 
over the next several weeks in our what we call ethos communities. These are our small groups. We're going to talk about specific ways that you can live your life in exile. Specific ways that you can live your life as a sojourner until you're with Jesus in heaven. And some of the ways that we're going to cover may be kind of out of the box for you. Maybe you've never thought about them before. But we're going to use this, we're going to, we're going to use a teaching method that's a little different. And I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure there's anything out there like we're going to do over the next several weeks. We're actually in our small groups going to view a documentary, portions of it each week. And after we view the documentary, we're going to interact with one another through the scriptures on how we are to live as exiles. And I don't know if you have a category for using a documentary as a Bible study, but it, you'll get it after a while. But as we enter, it starts this week. There's 16 ethos communities all over the place. You can jump into one. But we'll start this documentary and Bible interaction this week. But I want to show you the trailer, little interaction here that you can see, see if you can get a category for this. This is where we're going. Let's go ahead and play it. If you're a believer, you are living in exile with your, your home elsewhere. What, what is the bigger picture? What are you supposed to be doing with your life? What does your life as a sojourner look like? We're going to talk about this for several weeks. I'm going to kind of give you the bigger picture little snapshot right now by kind of just tagging on six areas I want you to think about that you can discuss for hours on end with one another. We'll discuss in our ethos. But they're very, very important to think about. If you're a believer, how are you supposed to live until you're with Jesus? And the first category area is simple. It's Love. (laughs) You are to express love. And I'm going to kind of take it a different direction real quick. You are specifically to express love through families. You'd be surprised me to talk about families when most of our church are singles. But most of you come from families. And chances are most of you are going to get married one day and have families. And if you never get married, you'll still be part of the family called the church. And the idea is that the family is set up and designed by God to bless the world in love. And I realize that this is hard to get your mind around because many of you, if not most of you, come from dysfunctional families. And so when I say that your your marriage and your family is supposed to express love to the world, you can't even get your mind around that because your family was so jacked up, right? And so you're thinking of your future and your family, you're thinking, well, there's, there's no way I'm going to be in a point where I can bless the world and love them. And so I want to give you one word, and it's the word health. As an individual, before you enter families, or maybe you're in a family, you need to work on your spiritual health. Just like you may be out of shape or let yourself go physically, you need to take care of your, your physical health. Some of you need to start taking care, better care of your spiritual health. There's a verse from the scriptures in 1 Timothy. It says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, that's a sojourner comment right there. Holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Once again, do not put your spiritual life on hold for this season. Those of you who are single may one day soon be married, and you need to work on becoming healthy 
as a single person before you jump into a marriage and, and really, I guess, perhaps mess things up even more. So if you're single, here is what I want to encourage you to do, all right? You ready for this, singles? Stop freaking out about your dating life or lack of it. Stop freaking out. Focus on getting healthy. Because I think this is, like, if this is the perfect role. This is what it looks like. You have a guy who's, who's working out getting healthy spiritually. And you have a girl who's working out getting healthy spiritually. And they just so happen to meet in the spiritual gym. <laughs> and so you have two healthy individuals coming together in the spiritual gym. That's, that's kind of what you want, right? That's what you want. You want to be... Get as healthy as you can before you get married. And then, and then we get married. You seek to bless and to love other people. But see, most of the time it doesn't work out like that. And I know that some of you right now have ended up in a marriage. And at your marriage right now, you thought you guys were both healthy. But marriage is hard. And you can't even think about blessing the rest of the world because your marriage is hard. It's difficult. It's a challenging life that you're experiencing. You're wondering if you, you, you may be thinking, why did I even marry this person? What am I doing? I say the same thing to you. Get healthy as an individual within your marriage. And as best as you can, get your healthy marriage. And I want to tell you, this church is stocked full of mentors who are ready to meet with you in your marriage, even before you get married, ready to meet you. But we have people here that are ready to encourage you in your marriage. Why? Because we want your marriage healthy, but we also want that to be a context where you bless and love the world. So you're here. You're not in heaven yet. God left you here for a purpose. Part of his purpose is this to love. Well, something else I want you to think about on your way to glory is the idea of creative service. That's just a fancy way of saying vocation. We, we spent all last week talking about your jobs and your career and your vocation. So whether you are a student planning for your career or maybe you're full-blown into your career or maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, you are to utilize your time and your energy and your efforts to serve. Let me give you a quote from the life of the world. There's a great quote here. It says, work is a gift from God to shape us and to bless others. So your work is shaping you, and it's also seeking to bless others. And so if you're having a hard time plowing through homework this week, having a hard t- plowing through child-rearing this week, or plowing through your job, just think, okay, my job, what I'm doing with my time, is seeking to bless and serve others in some way. Think about your vocation in those terms. The third area I want you to think about as you're in exile sojourning towards your home in heaven is the concept of justice. If you look around, our world is broken. There is sin that has infested this world. They have broken relationships, broken families. You have a war in a variety of places. You have a broken world. So how does justice come into play in exile as you're between two worlds? My brothers and sisters, one of the things that I want to encourage you not to do is check out from justice issues or check out from compassion or mercy issues because God has ordained a church, a people, to address these specific wrongdoings. 
I want you to think through in terms of two ways that you can think about injustice in the world or compassion or mercy issues. One has to do with the image of God. If you start viewing human beings, all of them are made in the image of God. They have value. They are important to God, and they should be important to you as well. So if we can all agree on that, that people are created in the image of God with value, that they can start to have importance to you. Now, I think that that's probably the easy part for believers. People are made in the image of God. But this is where it transfers over to justice. Are you ready for this? Once you believe people are made in the image of God, if you truly want to show justice and mercy and compassion, then you've got to welcome them into your life in the form of hospitality. In the form of hospitality. Hospitality is justice in action. We cast fear aside and tell the stranger, I love you, I honor you, you are significant, you are made in God's image. If you truly are into justice, if you truly are into compassion and mercy, you've got to truly be into hospitality. It doesn't just mean you have to own a house to let someone in. No, letting someone into your life. There's so much suffering. And the ways that we kind of keep pushing it on you as individuals and pushing it on you as ethos communities is we want you to care for the vulnerable. We have a variety of venues for you to care for the vulnerable right here in Evanston. You don't even need to go around the world. You can care for the vulnerable right here. We want to push you to care for the refugees who come here with nothing. We want to push you to care for children of families who are in crisis. We want to push you to care for junior high kids who are in at-risk situations and they need you to be their friends. We want to push you to care for senior citizens who are right now lonely and they need someone just to come hang out with them and talk to them. You want to show justice in this world, if you're real big on social justice, then be big on hospitality, welcoming people into your life. We're going to keep pushing that here. We are not home in heaven yet. God has called us. He wants to use us. The next area is one of wisdom. I like this one because this is not a brag, okay? Not a brag on me, but I'm not bragging on you either. The knowledge that you have surpasses probably most of the people in the world. There's some smart people in here. I am not one of them. There's some smart people in here. And the opportunities that you are having in your education or former education is unbelievable. Why? God set it up that way. I can't explain it all. But what are you going to do with that knowledge? What are you going to do with it? You're, you're, you're cranking, you're reading, you're writing, you're doing your job. What are you going to do with your knowledge? Are you going to use it to cash in? Are you going to use it to get more and more bling, get a better car, sweeter house, awesome retirement? What, what are you going to use your knowledge for? Is your knowledge meant to terminate on yourself? That you're gaining all this knowledge for you to figure out your career so you can be launched into awesomeness? What are you going to do with your knowledge? That's all we've got to bring it back to the Word. We say, okay, knowledge, and we have to connect that knowledge to wisdom. The book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If we truly fear the Lord and you combine with all this knowledge you're acquiring, it will turn it into wisdom. 
The book of James says something really cool on the wisdom of God. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You're going to spend the next several years in this phase acquiring knowledge, not just for you. You take it in as some of the smartest and brightest people in the world, and you use it to serve other people. And it functions and expresses itself in wisdom to love others better, to mentor others better, to worship the Lord. Use this knowledge gain, turn it into wisdom, and serve others. If you've always wondered where your education fits in the plan of God, there it is. Take the knowledge, in a sense, turn it into the fear of the Lord, and let it come out and be expressed as wisdom. Well, you're in exile here. God doesn't have you in heaven yet. You're still here. Let's talk about this idea of wonder. This is something I don't talk about much. I'm not really talked about it here much, if ever. And let me explain to you the concept of wonder. So this past Friday, I was at the office, and I was talking with our executive pastor, Pastor John, and he asked me how I was doing. And I said to him, Groundhog Day. If you've ever seen the movie Groundhog Day, the main character is living the same day over and over again. I feel like that is my life at times. I'm doing the same things over and over and over again. When I'm putting my kids to to bed, I'm thinking, have I not done this 500 times before? Over and over again. And you know what he said to me to rescue me from my Groundhog Day? He said to me, he said, dude, you need wonder. You see, what's going to rescue me from myself and focusing on my looping days is this awe and wonder of who God is and his creation. That I pull back and I go, okay, yes, I am seeing a lot of the same things every day, but there's something bigger picture going on here. There is God, and I need and I was created to enjoy him. There's a verse in the Psalms that says, Psalm 34, 8, says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So in my monotony of days, I need to pull back and say, There is something good about you, God, and I want to taste and see and enjoy you. But not just enjoy God, but also enjoy his creation. When God created in Genesis 1.31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. We have this vast creation that we can enjoy and praise him and give him glory what he's made for us to enjoy. But my brothers and sisters, I, I know your life. I see your life. And what most of your lives looks like is this. Pace, pace, pace. Cranking out the hours, cranking out the hours, cranking out the hours. And when you're not cranking out the hours, you're thinking about how you're going to crank out the hours. Pace, pace, pace. Busy, busy, busy. Activity, activity, activity. So I'm going to give you a pastoral exhortation for this afternoon. I'm going to give you an assignment for this afternoon. Okay, you ready for this? Take a nap. And when you wake up, go out by the lake. It's, it's nice outside today. Look at God's creation. Give him the glory. Stand in awe. Behold. Throw some wonder into your life. Get out of the pace. 
Slow down and give him glory. Well, the last area we think about being in exile we're going to talk about is the concept of the church. Because you may have come here this morning as an individual. But as a believer in Jesus, if you're a believer in Christ, you're a part of this bigger movement called the church, the people of God. And I just want to say the people of God, the church, that is God's plan. And as we are here sojourning together, as the church, we want to keep pointing back to the gospel of Jesus and his finished work on the cross, and we want to look forward to being with Jesus. And we're going to be with Christ sooner than you think. So as the church, we reflect back, we move forward. We reflect back from the gospel, look forward to his coming. There's a wonderful passage in the book of Revelation. Revelation 19, 6 through 7 says, Then I, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. We are the bride. We make ourselves ready as we live in exile. We worship, we serve one another, we serve the world with the gospel, with compassion. We let our light shine before men. And I, I'm telling you, the church is where is, it is at. I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor, but the church, the body of Christ, brothers, this is where it is at. This is where it is happening. This is God's plan for the world. And, and, and I want to say that, that I would say a lot of you are missing out on this plan. It's not because you're not a believer. It's because you, you just, here's the way you do life. I'm just going to tell you, okay? If you do life this way, I'm just telling you, all right? You do this. You got the church, and you're trying to figure out how to fit it in, right? Church is kind of on the margin. Brothers and sisters kind of on the margin. You, you got, God has brought you here. You have this big, huge thing you got to do called a degree or a job or a family. And church is just kind of over here. If you have time for it, You'll do, you'll dabble in church. Anybody dabble in church? That's, that's not a good idea, right? You dabble in it. Maybe you grew up, maybe your parents just took you when there was time. You know, you, you know sports came first, right? And if you had time, you'll dabble in church. But the church is not to be on the margins. It's God's plan for the world. The church is to be at the, at the center, the people of God's people. It's not to be dabbled in. You could dabble in the rest, but the church is where it's at. It's where it's at. And if you just moved to the area, I, I mean, in all honesty, I, I, I don't care if you end up going to church here, but man, find a church and jump in quickly. Find a church that actually believes the Bible, believes Jesus. Jump in quickly because the church is where it's at. So that's where we're going over the next six, six seven weeks in ethos communities. Talking to one another what it means to live in exile, how to love, how to spur one another on, how to live as a church, how to show justice. This is where we're going over the next several weeks. But just keep in mind, your years here in Evanston, in the Chicago area, your years here are not throwaway years. Quit moving on to the next phase. You are here now. Now's the time to grow. Now's the time to invest. There are no throwaway years at any part or point in your life. We need to continue to be thinking about, okay, how can we 
settle? How can we grow? How can we invest? And I know there may be a certain area that some of you right now, you are so restless, you are barely sitting through this sermon. You have so much to do, so much to think about. Some of you just wish you were somewhere else at another time, another city, doing something else besides the life that you have. I just want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, come on, settle down. I know everything's not perfect, but settle down. God has you here. Settle. And for those of you who are kind of like, you think you're in spiritually neutral phase, or you have just kind of walked away from the Lord, or you've just been so caught up in all the activity the last month, your spiritual life is pretty blah. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. Time to get with God's people, get in His Word. Deal with some sin in your life. Do not say that you're going to put that, dealing with that sin on hold. I'm going to put it on hold till I get to my next phase in life. You will not. You will not deal with it. It's time to deal with that sin now. It's time to grow now. And it's time to invest. If it's been all about you, all about what you're doing, and no one else, it's time to branch out of that and start caring for others, welcoming them into your lives and hospitality. It's time to invest in others. So it's time to settle. It's time to grow. It's time to invest.